At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Obakir, the world messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. And you guys seriously are for the treat. I absolutely cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest who is super accomplished, but yet insanely humble down to earth. And you guys cannot wait to hear stories he has to tell. It's Navy Steel for over 30 years, who just retired and is transitioning from military into civilian world, has so many amazing stories and places he's been, things he accomplished, and yet how he's helping and giving hands to people in his community and beyond. Not only he is also a being producer, fellow producer, who is also providing um, great uh, production for veterans in transition on the show called Jewel TV, which he will tell us more about in specific series around that, being executive producer and host, as well veteran advocate. And at the same time, someone who has strong, keen sense and passion for leadership, which we cannot wait to depict about that as well. And he is also doing some really cool things, which is Virus and Biscuit Club, which I really want to know more about it as ambassador and much more. So without further ado, right now in front of you guys is the Top Gun Navy SEAL, Tim Frederick. Tim, how are you? Hello, everyone. Thank you all for having me. Absolutely. First of all, Tim, thank you so much for the opportunity to have this conversation with you. Uh, I mean, this is really awesome because everybody on their son is always curious about Top Gun movie and Navy SEALs movies. So it's like those two always rule, why? Whatever happens in the air and whatever happens down the, in the ground or below the ground or in the water, right? Well, I think a lot of people find both uh, entertaining in their own way. I know that the, uh, the Navy in general with those two movies, uh, they're recruiting uh, even though we're having some recruiting issues currently, their recruiting uh, was really boosted uh, in, I think, 87 when the first Top Gun came out. In 1990, uh, the summer of 90, when Navy SEALs movie with Charlie Sheen and Michael Biehn came out. And then we just had the latest Top Gun movie that I'm sure can't be hurting the uh, Navy's recruiting effort because I thought it was a good movie. I thought the second Top Gun was better than the first, but... Um, I'm sure everybody's got their own opinions on those movies. So. <laughs> I have to agree. I think it was definitely better. And it was just like the more heart, more maturity, more amazing technology. And it was just like one of those things that you just were breathless. But I love what you also mentioned at that era, there were two amazing um, films that really moved the needle. And could you tell us, how did you, first of all, where did you grow up and how did you even enlist and, and desired and then became the amazing or awarded a successful Navy SEAL with a full career. Well, I was uh, born in Natchez, Mississippi, raised in a small town, Faraday, Louisiana, and later went to New Orleans, Louisiana for my middle school years and ended up in Tennessee, Seymour, Tennessee, uh, where I graduated high school. Uh, played baseball, played football, loved sports, loved to talk about sports, loved fantasy football. All that, but uh, played baseball, uh, played both sports. I was a little bit better in baseball due to my size, probably, mostly. <laughs> and uh, so I had some small college uh, colleges that offered me a baseball scholarship. And I was really leaning toward going that route. And uh, I graduated. And then the Navy SEALs movie came out. Um, I've said it before, my friends, you know, it's uh, some people will call it a cheesy movie now based off of uh, all the operate, uh, operating that we've done since 9-11 above one. Yes. So, uh, but it, it definitely uh, left a mark on me. I thought it was a very cool looking job. And then instead of going into a baseball career at a small college in East Tennessee, 
I ended up joining the Navy with the goal of being a Navy SEAL. Wow, what an amazing trajectory and then like a desire and wish and you made it happen. So for, to put in perspective, since we also have an insanely global audience of the legacy leader show here, do you mind telling people that just see the cool stuff and they think Navy SEALs are abnormal because no human can possibly do this. What types of training and some of the missions that publicly you can share Navy SEAL contributes significantly? Because people wow. think everything is like in America, it's a movie, it's not real. And in reality, they don't understand how many times you guys stepped in in so many missions and turned things around. Yeah, it's no uh, question that SEALs and all of the special operations forces, pick a service, uh, they're all doing great things. In fact, all of the services, non-SEAL, non-SPEC ops are uh, doing great work around the globe. Uh, but with SEALs uh, specifically, uh, we thrive in the undersea environment. We uh, thrive in and around the ocean. We're trained that way from day one of basic underwater demolition, SEAL training, that's but is what it's also known as. And I was in BUDS class 199. Um, wow. So uh, I went to BUDS in 94 and uh, I was in the fleet. I didn't get to go right into the teams, uh, the SEAL teams when I graduated high school. I went to the fleet, it turned out, even though I wanted to go to BUDS and not go to the fleet, the fleet was very rewarding. And it's something that um, I wouldn't change in hindsight looking back a bit. Uh, although I have to admit at the time I was wanting to go straight into BUDS and uh, a little upset, but I dealt with it and moved on and made the best of it. Uh, but we're operating around the globe. Uh, you got your SDVs, two commands, east and uh, one out in Hawaii, east coast in Norfolk, Virginia, that do great work in the undersea environment. And uh, we're not limited to the sea. Obviously, you've uh, probably heard of the SEALs operating uh, in the middle of the desert in Afghanistan and landlocked countries. Uh, yeah. So we operate around the world. Uh, we uh, definitely, uh, the water is our home. So we thrive in that uh, domain, but, uh, but it doesn't limit us to uh, operate anywhere, whether it's taking a ship down uh, or doing uh, close quarters combat uh, or mouth training anywhere in the world from Somalia, Afghanistan, Yemen, Syria, um, Iraq, and you can go on and on with those locations. Wow, what an amazing adaptation, not only in very hard and harsh environments that are also extremely hot or desert or desolate or dangerous, uh, depending on what you're also tackling. And today we see a lot of um, interesting stuff that are going on around the world. So it's a great to see uh, how you contribute on so many amazing missions to make a difference, to protect civilians, to make impact, and also obviously to contribute uh, and protect uh, our nation, United States of America, right? Absolutely, and we have great partners that around the world that uh, assist us, and uh, by no means is this list all included, but uh, super operators like the Australian SAS, the the British SAS, SBS, uh, and, and just the soft operators, whether it be in the undersea environment that we operate with and uh, partner up with, um, or your air commandos and uh, the various forces. But I uh, can't do anything alone, really, uh, no matter how well an organization or people are trained. You got to have partners and good partners at that because um, you need always need someone to have your back. and someone that you can count on when you need it. And sometimes uh, you really need some assistance outside of what you bring to the table. I love that. And then everybody, again, listening to watching this Legacy Leader show, uh, it's uh, so important to really rely on those trusted partners outside of organization or mindset or already doctrine you're trained in, because that's also how we learn from each other, which also really shows another epic strength. Beside your physical, and emotional, meaning emotional capacity, intelligence, and social capacity, intelligence. Also, it's a reflection of tremendous leadership. So do you mind sharing a little bit about how did you tap into tremendous leadership? Because you 
Okay, I have to really point this out for everybody that's been in military, specifically in such a specialized operations like TEM, and being so far from home to manage to also have a beautiful wife and marriage and kids and still do what he needs to do and do this successfully for 30 years takes so much toll on you, but also takes so much of deeply, deeply being grounded and knowing what you're doing. And could you tell us, how did you juggle all of this? How did you really make all this happen? Well, and you know, I mean, when someone is young and you just come into the Navy and uh, I learned a lot in the fleet, had some great officers and senior enlisted personnel that I looked up there. And then uh, in the teams from 94 on to the end of 2021, uh, I've had some great leaders. And, and when you're young and you're impressionable, uh, you look up to the leaders that uh, you consider and most of your other teammates, if not all of your other teammates, to be outstanding leaders. You'll trust them anywhere, whether it be in an administrative type environment or in combat. And uh, you can't get much more dynamic of an environment in combat. Uh, so you really see who the good leaders are and you see who needs some additional work. But you take the good from everybody, but especially those good leaders. And uh, there's there's a lot of things that, that I still do to this date, whether it's military related or just leadership related in general, that I take from these great officers and senior enlisted folks that I was fortunate enough to learn under um, that, that gets me through basically anything that I do. And uh, that applies to anybody. Um, the work-life balance, and I brought this up in our discussions before we came on the air is something that uh, I've, I've seen uh, out of my 31 plus years in the military and then growing up prior to the end up until I graduated high school. I've seen very few people, you can probably count them on one hand, that effectively managed that work-life balance without shortchanging work or shortchanging their family. Uh, and then if someone were to look at my background and there's a saying that's out there, jack of all trades, master of none. I have a lot of quals, qualifications within my community. Um, most all of them came when I was enlisted and uh, I left the enlisted ranks at 15 year mark. So, uh, so there was a lot of quals, qualifications, a lot of uh, workups and a lot of deployments, minimum of six months. So uh, you tell me how that work-life balance shook out when you go to all those schools, some of them two months, three months, six months, you got those year and a half workups, those year deployments. And then, oh, by the way, 9-11 happens. And then our workup and deployment schedules uh, expedited further. I mean, it's, it's even uh, uh, more insane if you want to call it that. Uh, so very little downtime there uh, for a number of years, 10, 12 years after 9-11, whether it be Iraq, Afghanistan, so, but if I had something to do over, one of the things would have been uh, managing and later coaching others and uh, effectively balancing that work-life balance a little bit better than what I did. Uh, I, I, I take it with me, but I also learn from it. And if I can help other people better manage theirs, that, uh, that's a win. I love it. And, and specifically now during the current times when people are truly struggling in fast-paced world to do that, I feel like that is tremendous gift and opportunity. So guys, definitely look up Tim uh, for those opportunities because unless you know how to change your not only daily method of operation, but priorities and how to pivot and how to adjust, but never lose the sight of what's the most important, right? That is what I'm finding secret sauce. But what would you say is a secret sauce to balance all of that? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if there is a secret sauce. Everybody's different, every family's different. And, uh, each branch of service is way different. Uh, it, as long as it's managed properly and, um, and, and the leadership takes note of what's going on and, uh, so forth. Um, it's interesting. The reason why I'm bringing this up, it's so easy to you because that's your environment and you, that's already habitual and it's a great habit to have. Uh, but for a lot of people that are struggling, they don't know where to start. They quickly give up or they just simply are spending and investing time in things that are not necessarily bringing the highest return 
and helping them in the long run. Because it's well, I've seen a lot of people are having a hard time sustaining different things right now in, in their environments. And, and that is really crucially important, isn't it? But, but what I really wanted to also expand upon, if you don't mind here, Tim, um, obviously as a Navy SEAL, you've been in a lot of international, um, that's why you're trained to go in international waters. What would you say was one of the culturally most rewarding elements where you felt um, opportunity also to connect with different cultures and, uh, or just simply, places that you traveled um, through the military or otherwise that made a tremendous impact for you personally? I'd say, uh, and they all were different and they all were good in their own way, but uh, my favorite locations to where we were working with our partners and uh, non-combat related and um, uh, so forth would be Australia. Uh, I was able to spend a little over a month on the west coast of Australia out in Perth and then uh, several a couple weeks in uh, Sydney, Australia on the east coast. Uh, at that time we were working with Clarence Dive Team 4 out west, brought them with us out east and uh, still to this day have a lot of great relationships and comms with some of the folks that we work with there and their super operators um, and uh, great family people and so forth. So. Um, I'll never forget them, and uh, I, I look forward to continuing comms uh, with them moving forward. Colombia, I was in Colombia in and out of that country for um, roughly a year. Uh, I think I was there 11 months as, as far as the longest duration that I spent there without leaving. Uh, so great, great work there, great friends that we made down there. and. Um, uh, the Summit of Americas in 2012 happened. I was the Naval Special Warfare Task Element, uh, OIC, had people that was assigned to protect the president. And uh, obviously we had the maritime environment uh, with any uh, of the routes that would go along there. We had a response time and everything figured out. We, could, we uh, could be where we needed to be, when we needed to be there and so forth. Uh, but uh, great partnerships there and uh, great experience and seeing all of the planning and everything that goes into not just protecting our president of the United States, but all of the heads of state throughout South America, Central America, and a portion of the Caribbean uh, within the Southcom AOR. Wow. I feel just based on what you just said that you lived mission impossible every day. <laughs> it's like because so many variables, so many things to think about it, and so much to use your intellect, your body, your uh, groups, your teammates, and so much to depend on each other. Would you agree that it's like always thrilling and quite intense and dynamic mission impossible making possible by Navy SEALs and teams? Well, I mean, uh, it's definitely a fun job. I, I would not have done that job for as long as I did if we didn't have fun. And uh, I have to say, especially on the enlisted side, um, I, I mean, that's where our um, that's where our true SMEs are, subject matter experts. Uh, that's the snipers. That's the breachers. That's the uh, the dive supervisors. Basically, every that's where the rubber meets the road. That's the backbone of our community and everything goes through the enlisted folks because uh, you, they're known as the trigger pullers, the door kickers, whatever terms you want to use to describe them. But, but that's where the action is. And then the officers, yeah, they're responsible for, for anything and everything that goes on overall. But the personnel that are actually leading the effort on the ground nine times out of 10 uh, or those senior enlisted and those enlisted uh, members, team guys, operators. And uh, that's where the super work is. And uh, that's where the fun is. It's more of a managerial slash supervisor leadership role within the officers, but make no mistake, uh, the leadership at the senior enlisted level and below, uh, they are the ones that really make things happen within my community. And um, I'm sure it's the same uh, with our counterparts and all the other services. Uh, but that's where the fun's at. That's where, uh, that's who's getting the majority of the action when people hear about Navy SEALs. It's coming from those enlisted personnel, pipe hitters, 
And uh, that's where the action is. Wow. So if you don't mind, since you mentioned action, I'm like, what was the one of the most uh, outstanding action moment for you? Like something, something that you did that was extraordinary that you were shocked actually how well you did yourself. Because I know you push yourself every single day further in terms of endurance and how long you guys can be underwater and and how and the speed and all these crazy stuff. And it's just unbelievable to see how you challenge yourself without panic, without fearing being in deep waters and dark and cold and hot and all of this. So what would you say was the one piece of action that you felt like invincible? Well, um, I don't know if anybody ever feels invincible and uh, I'll keep it in a team uh, type focus instead of uh, individual type focus. Um, you, you know, and, and in every environment that you operate in, I, I, you've heard me say it a couple of times, it's all different. Things can go from being perfectly normal to uh, not normal at all in, in a uh, snap of the finger. So. So things can change. It can just something out of the blue, wrong place, wrong time. Uh, it could easily happen to anybody in any unit, uh, especially in a dynamic slash combat environment. Uh, but, um, you know, whether it be some of the efforts that I was a part of that I saw in Afghanistan or Iraq, 2006, 2007, 2008, I was in Iraq in, in those years, uh, all three of those years. Um, about four and a half months in 06, and then went back in September of 07, left probably June of 08. Uh, so a lot of different dynamic environments. Uh, karma, Fallujah really rings a bell. It was a hot uh, area, so to speak, as far as uh, uh, a lot of personnel not on our side uh, that was in and around the area to where we were working. So. So we did a lot of great work without going into much details uh, there. And uh, the team definitely will pull individuals through those types of events. Your buddy watching something that you can't see behind your back, uh, whether it's your swim buddy, battle buddy, combat buddy, whatever. It just You need that um, someone uh, that's covering wherever you're not looking. If it's behind you, that's why the, you have your buddy behind you and uh, or your buddies. Uh, and so forth. So I'll keep it at the team level. And, uh, but it's just so many different scenarios and um, karma really stands out in my mind because, I mean, we were uh, going from house to house, it seemed like, and uh, on a nightly basis uh, in the 06, 07 timeframe. Wow, magic happens when we have a great team, doesn't it? And I, since like, um, thank you again. That also it says about your leadership. You don't want to just never highlight yourself alone, but I'm sure with your role and what you played and who you were to them, um, it just also says you don't last 31 years once you're extremely good. Uh, so kudos. Thank you for your service, actually. But also this brings another question that I'm uber curious, and I'm sure everybody watching this are too and instead of just listening you have some interesting paintings or, or pictures just behind you one on the left and one on the right okay i really would love to start with those frogs i was like navy seal and and bunch of frogs on submarine or on the boat tell me first of all what that's all about well um in my community the seals were known as navy seals but we're also known as frogman frogs um there's there's a lot of them types of terms. Uh, so in that scenario, it's a seal delivery vehicle. We have two of those teams, one in Virginia Beach uh, that just came back online last year or so, and uh, one out in Hawaii. Uh, in this case, it's uh, the frogman, just uh, one of my, a, a senior chief that was at Naval Special Warfare Group 3. He was a painter. He was an artist. And I had this little drawing and, and I'm like, hey, can you draw this for me? And sure enough, he drew it for me and, and he painted that and uh, gave it to me when I was left, when I left uh, the command out at group three Y and went to Sox out. Uh, so I was appreciative of that, but it's basically in this case, just uh, the seals and the frogmen uh, working in and out of the seal delivery vehicle, the mini submersible. And uh, the frogmen are telling the seals that, even though it's the same group of folks that we got this 
and uh, basically giving out last second details as far as uh, uh, um, just some things to know uh, as far as the mission. But, but in a nutshell, that's what that one's about. I got the SOC R uh, directly, as you're looking at the screen, probably to your right, uh, yeah. Special Operations Craft Riverine, that's our special boat team out of Mississippi, Stennis, Mississippi. They do great work in the uh, Riverine uh, environment, uh, that team, but you have other boat teams that do great work in the coastal environments in Norfolk, Virginia, and uh, San Diego, Coronado, California. Uh, but very powerful boat, a uh, lot of firepower, a lot of different weapon systems in that boat, whether it be in a two boat package or a four boat package, and a lot of great work in Iraq on uh, the Euphrates and the Tigris River. Um, and up until approximately 2010. So between 06 and 2010, maybe a little before outstanding work. And I'm sure that the personnel that those boats supported will tell you the same. Uh, and then over here, it's a sub that's no longer around, been a long uh, time decommissioned. It's number one of, I think, 270. Uh, a guy also gave me that uh, picture uh, or that painting uh, when I left Group 3. And um, the, it's from the USS Hawkbill. And uh, those former sailors, and they have a uh, USS Hawkbill Association. Uh, if any of them is watching it, they're going to probably want to get that picture because it is number one of, uh, it's either 270 or 750 wow. somewhere. But, wow. uh, but that's, that's what that one is. Uh, and it's no longer around. So uh, memories. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing and telling us those stories because, uh, again, uh, it's, it's just um, parts of the history and, and places you've been, but also great pride and everything related to Navy SEALs, we want to know. So that's fantastic. Um, but also, I'm sure right now, you, something major happened last year for you. You transitioned from active duty and now you are crossing over in civilian world. <laughs> First of all, let us know how has been that journey for you, uh, you know, during the last leg of COVID or before we start again, reopening back to quote unquote normal. And also really being yourself veteran in transition, helping other veterans. I mean, I'm really fascinated about that as well as executive production and TV series you've been doing for Jewel TV and as a host and producer, could you enlighten us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, as far as the transition, you know, there is uh, so much to learn uh, for a person, whether they served five years or 40 years in the military, uh, as far as what will translate when you go into the civilian workplace or you transition into that civilian workplace what you did in the community, whether you were enlisted or officer. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of job sets and uh, at the executive level, more so for the officers and the senior enlisted uh, and, and the more hands-on work for a lot of the our enlisted folks, but everybody's transition is different. Uh, it's different for me than it is uh, anybody else. So it's a process that um, as it approaches, you can never I don't think be overprepared for uh, something that's uh, such a milestone in someone's career, uh, especially when it's pretty much all you did. Uh, time you graduated high school, you got your degree and while you were in the military and working nights and some long days and nights doing that, uh, especially for the folks that have their advanced degrees, I admire you, especially getting that on service uh, because I realize how hard that is. Uh, but but it's just so different and, and there's no cookie cutter approach to this transition process and it's not a one size fits all. There is so many great organizations and nonprofit organizations and some for profit that do so much great work in getting a person, again, no matter how long they serve, uh, ready from that transition from military service over the civilian workplace. And, uh, and, and even with those programs, and then some of them have come light years over the last five years, 10 years. Uh, there weren't too many around uh, uh, more than 10 years ago. There was a couple, but, but we're doing much better now in preparing our folks 
Uh, but with that, there's still so many seams and there's so many gaps that, uh, that I learned every day of a new organization that's doing great work. But I didn't know that the organization even it, uh, existed yesterday. And uh, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, I spoke with uh, the uh, CEO of the Blue Water Advisors out of Norfolk, Virginia, doing some great work, great vision. And, uh, but I, I didn't know, and it wasn't a part, it, it may have made it to the list that I sent you, but it didn't make it to on the list that I sent the person before I mailed that list of nonprofits doing all the great work. Uh, so that's how dynamic this is. I'm still learning, uh, but I've been doing this a little, since I've been getting out and um, even before in trying to learn and be prepared for my own transition. Uh, and, and I still am just now hearing about a lot of these organizations and which one is best for me. Um, so imagine what, at, especially at the non-spec ops commands, the non-officers and the non-senior enlisted, uh, all these great programs that out is, that's out there, uh, we need to get some attention on them, what they're doing, how successful they are, and then the, the military service member that's transitioning out will be able to choose the best one that fits them and their family, wherever they are, are best suited to attend. Uh, there's some great ones out in Montana, Virginia, Florida, California. I can go on and on. So uh, they're, they're sprouting up everywhere and they're all doing great work. But, um, but we need to get uh, as many folks aware of these services because right now, in, in my opinion anyway, it's too many people that are, are not aware or that just came off of a deployment and uh, they have two months left in the military, pick a service, and then two months is not enough time to crown all of this knowledge and to really help someone in the way that they need to be helped uh, get to the right program or any program. Some people, a lot of people don't even get a program. So Jewel TV, uh, it kind of, this offer kind of fell in my lap. Tom Julian out in uh, California, he's the president uh, of Jewel TV. He asked me, hey, uh, sent me a text via uh, a message uh, via LinkedIn. Do I want to help out veterans and uh, do a television series uh, late fall, or early fall time frame? And I'd like to, I would like to learn more. Uh, so he gave me a little bit more details. And uh, we started coming up with names of the program. Long story short, we ended up Veterans in Transition. But uh, with Veterans in Transition, there's so much more to that, the name of that series uh, than just a service member that uh, is coming in toward the end of their service and they're getting out. Uh, it's veterans in transition or service members. I mentioned 9-11-2001 uh, earlier, and then we were working hard before that, but we were working, and this is not just Navy, Navy Special Warfare. This is all the military. Uh, we were working very hard. Uh, after 9-11 and some still to this day are, are uh, going into, I call them hot areas or combat zones or the Somalias, the Yemen's, the Syrians and so forth uh, to where you have to really be careful. You have to watch out for someone or, or your teammates and your buddies and your, your partners. Um, so th this TV series, we're going to also shed a light and spotlight and highlight some of the great work to when service members come back from combat, whether it's their, their first tour in combat, in some cases, probably 15, 20, 25. I'm not exaggerating with those numbers with some of the people that are still doing it today. Imagine that every three, every six to nine months go out three months at a time or on other cycles every year and a half, pretty much from the time you're in, especially if you came in in 01 uh, to the current date. Uh, every year and a half workup, sometimes shorter, depending on what's going on, and do a six-month to uh, nine-month, in some cases a year deployment, and do it all over again. Well, some guys, especially I've lost a lot of friends, I lost a lot of teammates, people that I know, not just in our small community. I think we have about 25 to 2,700 SEALs on active duty right now. It's not many. Now, if you count the reservists, there's a lot more. But even in small communities like mine, uh, I mean, we are well over 
a hundred and something people that we've lost, not all since 2001, but uh, a lot in combat, a lot helping other units that uh, needed assistance, lost their lives, sometimes helos, two multiple helos, uh, lost and uh, but in training and so forth because we train, it's a realistic training environment. It's the only way you can prepare for uh, various combat. I mean, you, you got to train in realistic scenarios and it be as real as, real as possible or it's not going to do people any good. But uh, getting some attention on these people and these programs that are available when uh, uh, people are just in some cases not ready to be uh, uh, transitioned back into their community and transition when they come back from a dynamic type environment. And it depends on a number of factors, what happened, uh, whether there a lot of people that you work with were lost on that deployment. So there's so many factors that go into it. But the point there is, is not everyone is ready to immediately, as soon as that type of deployment is over, transition back into their community without any hiccups or within to their family. So there's programs and some people need service dogs, service animals, horses. It's a great program out in um, Montana that uh, uses horses. The service member or veteran takes care of the horses and then vice versa, the horse does a lot for those members. There's a lot of good analysis and data that um, that support that program. Uh, there's some nature programs and getting, it's not for everybody, but getting uh, uh, the operators in, in back into nature and uh, some of the things that's observed and, and that they can do for them with some of these nonprofits that have put a lot of study in, into their efforts and uh, they do great things. So, so you got nature, you got surf therapy, one more wave out in uh, San Diego. Uh, again, it's not for the non-surfers unless you want to learn surfing, <laughs> but for the surfers and for the people that get peace out in, in the ocean in early morning, late evening, at sunset, whenever, it does great things for them and they do great work. Again, it's not for everybody. You got uh, all of the different service dogs, Sierra Delta up in uh, Wisconsin, canines for warriors, and then so many more. And please forgive me if I, the list is definitely not all inclusive because all of them are doing super work. I just can't name them all off the top of my head. But I do have that list and I share that list. And it's a very long list with as many yeah. people as possible where they know. Um, and then you have uh, um, just, just basically depending on what, there's so many programs out, but whatever a person needs, they need to get sent in the right direction to the right program that's best for them, their situation and their family. And then, but it takes a lot of people to, because not everybody knows about these programs even existing. So guiding some people, especially when you have limited time to do so before they transition out or before they immediately get linked back up to their family or community uh, before being ready. So hope that answers that, here. Yes, uh, it definitely does. And, and, and I'm so glad you're excited about so many different programs that you also gathered the data information. But I'm curious, when is the series starting and when they're gonna be debuted so that other can view it and then they can see what tremendous beautiful work it's been done in all those different types of uh, par parts of the country with different types of um, therapy or additional support? Well, I think the, um, well, I'm still working on putting the schedule together and everything uh, will be centered on the schedules and availabilities and key events that these nonprofits that we're showcasing uh, and highlighting, it's gonna center on when they're available. So once I get all of the different nonprofit schedules that I'm working with and uh, the comms are somewhat flowing. It could be better on, on probably both sides, but uh, getting those schedules, I'll get the 10 week schedule out uh, to be approved by Tom Julian uh, in California. And then uh, we hope to be uh, filming, recording um, early, late fall. And then it's not gonna take long to get the uh, filming and recording out of the way. And uh, the, the goal is to have the series, 10 show series. Right now it's a 30 uh, minute show, 22 minutes after advertising uh, per show. We have the ability to go an hour, but we're looking at it in late fall, uh, early winter at the latest. 
that's fantastic. So then we all can expect some amazing new footage and information next year, I'm assuming. So that, that is fantastic. And I'm so glad that you are going uh, in such a great ways in the new adventures and new ventures. Uh, and it's also a great um, example of what's possible. So when we are, have the willingness and interest and desire, where is the will, there is the way. You're going to now literally be executive producer and host and build it for bringing everybody together. So everybody, guys, watch and listen because you don't have to be stuck and feel like, oh, my God, what do I do? You can always apply your skill sets in many new ways. So I'm also curious. I really have to say you have a really cool name of your club where you're also ambassador, where you're also helping um, people in transition, also networking through the Warriors and Whiskey Club. Okay, you have to tell us a little bit about that. Okay, you have the Warriors and Whiskey Club. Okay. Uh, you have Veterans Whiskey Club and you have the Veterans Cigar Club. The, oh veteran, the two clubs are <laughs> for service members and veterans, uh, but the Warriors and Whiskey Club and anyone that is interested in signing up for any veteran or service member that wants to join the two uh, Veterans Clubs can join on Facebook, LinkedIn, there's groups for it, uh, and so forth. Uh, the website, we'll figure out a way to where everybody will have that website um, that is watching and tuning into the podcast. Uh, but what the Warrior and Whiskey Club is any service member, veteran, uh, first responder, family of first responders, veterans, and uh, the service members. So basically anybody can join the Warriors and Whiskey Club, whether veterans or veteran or service member centric. Uh, but the whole point behind any of those clubs or all of those clubs is to bring people together. Uh, and that can be the service members, but it's definitely tailored toward the veterans when they get out. They no longer have uh, that teammate. They're no longer based out in Coronado and in some cases may not live out there any longer. And same thing with Virginia Beach, but just pick an area of wherever our major bases are you have a huge number of folks that when they're done, they go back to Montana, they go to Texas, they go to Iowa. And uh, in a city and state near you, there's probably a, an ambassador or soon to be new ambassador uh, that is being appointed by the free founders of these clubs. And uh, the whole point is to bring people together, be able to get there safely. It, it does involve alcohol, involves cigars. So be able to get to and from whatever function we set up, wherever we set it up safely, um, but bring people together. They can share and see old friends, old teammates, old battle buddies, combat buddies, and uh, just communicate with each other, bring the families. And, uh, and hopefully if somebody were to show up that has a problem, it gets noticed by people or someone that's uh, also attending that is like something's just not right and we can get help and sent in or figure out a creative way to help that person or personnel that, that maybe needs assistance. But, but you would never know that if you didn't bring everybody together in the first place. So that's the main intent uh, behind it. And then have a good time, families share their stories, see stories, funny stories. And, um, and then uh, the, the events and how the events are set up. Uh, it's, it's called Warriors and Whiskey, Veterans Whiskey, but you can do it at a brewery. You can do it with beer. You can do it with anything that you want. Uh, again, it's bringing people together. It's the just behind it. Uh, and that's where uh, the, uh, the, we get the most bang for our buck and uh, help anybody that needs assistance. But um, it's good for people mentally to uh, be able to see people that they've lost comms with. And uh, not everybody stays where they were stationed at for uh, the number of years, remember how long they stayed in. Uh, so, so it's, it's missed. I miss a lot of my teammates that a lot are still up in Virginia, Coronado, uh, but, but it's, it's around the globe and uh, definitely throughout the U.S. But uh, we are expanding. Uh, we hope to grow it uh, a lot more. And uh, at the end of the day, bring people together, have fun, and you can't go wrong there. Mm, I love that. And I love that, that right now, specifically, when we have a chance to be face to face, we have an opportunity, as you said, to see each other and truly check in how is everybody doing? Because you and I know too well that so many people are not, and specifically mentally, right? 
And sadly, we also know the very grim statistics, uh, how many, unfortunately, people due to major distress and mental health issues that are being not properly served or targeted or supported. Uh, people also attempt to do commit suicide or commit to suicide, and it's way too many uh, to see uh, people after such a tremendous service to be gone. So first of all, I kudos you again for stepping up, bringing communities together, making difference and impact, and finding a way and outlets to do so. So everybody, again, will have those links so you can check that on Facebook and also can directly connect with Tim and other platforms and, and really, really step up and support as well as obviously share some of your stories, right? But in closing, Tim, you've been in so many different places, obviously through this service as a Navy SEAL of 31 years. And now with the, everything that you wanted to apply in this new world of civilian world, what is, what is in your bucket and, and what is next to be accomplished? It's like for someone who already has tremendous legacy that you lived and led with, um, what is in there still left that you wanted to do? Well, uh, I will always, regardless of what my next job is, uh, when I get my uh, next full-time job, um, that, there's a several things that uh, are being discussed right now and that I'm looking into, but no matter what I end up doing, I will always try to figure out a way to where uh, if there's a service member that I can help or that gets sent in my direction or just by chance I come across uh, someone, they have any questions that I may be able to answer or uh, give them uh, advice or guidance or uh, nothing else, lessons that I learned the hard way in some cases. And then so I'll always be able to help out, whether it be others that were in similar uh, lines of service uh, before they're in that job, sitting around the office or uh, sitting around the gun range, work, whatever I end up doing, uh, that will always be part of it. Uh, it will, I will find creative ways to try to help out veterans, service members, and just people in general that if, if I can help them uh, while also doing what it takes to uh, take very good care of my family as well. Um, so, so a number of things that, that um, I, I can't go in, don't want to go into much detail. They're still being planned and, and worked out, but uh, but definitely part of it is helping others uh, any way that I can. And then I'll say for anybody that is listening uh, that wants to be a Navy SEAL or, or anything that you want to be for that matter, uh, you just have to have the mindset of never, never quit. And then if you can do the physical uh, test, that, that meet the physical requirements, whatever entry requirements that a program has, in our case in the SEALs, we had certain time that you had to run a mile and a half. And at one time, I think it was three miles. I had to do a certain number of pull-ups and, and so forth, set-ups, push-ups, uh, and swim, obviously. But uh, if you can do that test to get in, then you can complete that course. Yeah, it gets harder as you progress through the program or the curriculum, uh, whatever you want to refer to it as, but, but never, never quit. Um, and, um, but anybody can do it as long as you can do the test to get in. Uh, so I wanted to throw that out for anybody that may be interested um, in, in joining the Navy and trying to help the Navy's recruiting effort a little bit. That's fantastic and such a great attitude and great advice because so many people are young people are having these dreams. They just don't know how to tackle go about. So that's fantastic advice. And do you mind lastly, just share, as I mentioned already, you lived and you led already a tremendous legacy. But how would you like to leave your legacy? How would you like to be remembered? What is now, when all of this experience and maturity and understanding how worlds work and what's the most important, what would be the most important for you? Yeah, I guess, uh, I, I guess just being known as, uh, helping others and being successful at helping others, not just uh, talking someone's ear off per se, as far as, and, and not providing any value, but uh, providing value to others. And uh, at the end of the day, helping as many people as I can, um, whether that be
be something that we touched on earlier uh, in the teams and, and better ba uh, balancing the work uh, family uh, life balance. That, that needs to be balanced out as close to 50-50 as possible, not 10-90. Uh, and and uh, I'd hate for it to be even worse than that. But just, you know, that people need help with that because it's so hard. You don't want to shortchange your family. No, not many people do. But you also don't want to shortchange your work. You probably won't progress as much as you do or, or as much as you would like. So just just finding opportunities and, and you know, they're available uh, and people need it, whether they're dealing with the Veterans Administration uh, or whether it's just dealing with the college and trying to get them to accept your GI Bill. Uh, there's just so many ways getting them into the right program transition-wise. Or when the transition don't go well, then getting back on track because there is so many people that need that. But uh, that's something that an individual can't really do. Teams and teams of people and, and in, in cities across America and states across America uh, is the only way to do that right. But uh, with platforms such as yours, with the uh, wide ranging audience that you have, I mean, it's a great start and, um, and so forth, but taking advantages of these types of situations and getting attention where that attention needs to be and filling in the gaps and seams wherever they exist, especially if it can be something that's negative that can come from those gaps and seems being present. So, um, I, I'd say that as far as more than anything, just be remembered as uh, a nice person in general, but someone that helps others. And, and that's successful, not just wasting somebody's time because that's you just spinning wheels if that's what happens. So, Yeah, making an impact, uh, making positive impact in lives of others, which obviously you've already been doing for decades. There's no, I'm sure it's not going to be any more challenging or um, difficult because you already know how to do that. So again, absolute pleasure for having you on the Legacy Leader Show and sharing with us. And thank you so much for all that you do, not only to keep us all safe and through your service, but you continue to support and do right now through civilian efforts. So we look forward having you down the road, checking in with you where, where things are headed. And I cannot wait to see and share some more of your civilian successes. Well, thank you. And thanks to everyone for taking the time out of your busy schedules uh, to listen to me. I really appreciate it. and. Uh, Hope everyone has a good evening or wherever you're at. A good day, a good night. Uh, thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.